Hello and welcome to episode 17 of the Saladcast. This week I'm joined by Mike Price. Hi Mike, how are you doing? Hi Ollie, you alright mate? Yep, good, thank you. Thanks for joining me on the podcast this week. Um, obviously starting a bit of a new era um, following the sad passing of Glenn. Um, so on this podcast we're going to chat a bit about Glenn and then we're going to cover the last few weeks. Um, going forward, as I mentioned on Twitter, if those who are on Twitter would have seen, the plan is to make Saladcast a bit more flexible in terms of timings we won't be doing weekly podcasts for the for the, at the moment but nothing is off the table um, so the idea is to to kind of change the podcast a little bit and not always not to do every single game in depth uh, but then that also throws up opportunities for us to to do different things and do different things on the podcast maybe focus on themes and also you know there's no restrictions obviously we can do whatever we want you know if we beat i don't know liverpool or you know spurs away in the fa cup uh, that probably warrants a um, a one game special. Um, so yeah, the podcast will be a bit different. I appreciate people's feedback, um, but as we go forward, there's going to be a bit a lot of a band of brothers as well. Um, so Mike, thanks for for joining. Mike, you're going to be on the podcast uh, more regularly. Yeah, I think um, sort of you know we'll touch on what happened with Glenn, but um, you know it's it this is something that he was very proud of, something that he put a lot of effort into with you to set up, and and you guys made such a such a good go at it that I think it would be a shame for for us to, to sort of let it slip by. Um, so I'm very keen to keep this going. It was a you know it's something that he loved doing. So I'd like to in his memory you know carry it on. I think you know the idea that you've had to to bring in another couple of you know willing regular volunteers as well, and we can do it as a bit of a, a group of four. Change change the sound of it a little bit. Add a few more opinions and voices, but um, keep true to the core of the Salop Cats, which is to uh, to reflect you know the, the the feelings and opinions of the fans on the terraces, and also you know. You know, hold the feet of the, you know, help the club's feet to the fire a little bit sometimes, and just keep them on their toes. So, um, yeah, I'm glad we can keep coming back, and and it's been nice sort of working out how we can try and get this to keep going forward. So, um, yeah, hopefully we can make something people want to listen to still. You know, even with not even with Glenn not around anymore. Yeah, Glenn would be a huge, huge um, loss in so many ways. Um, but from a podcast point of view, yeah, I'm gonna miss recording those podcasts with Glenn on a Sunday night. Um, but yeah, really appreciate Dan Hoff and Chris Hudson, who's gonna join me and Mike. Uh, we've got a little WhatsApp group already created, ready to kind of fresh ideas out. And some of ideas, Chris's ideas are going to be reflected in this podcast as well. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to have a bit of a team. Um, that doesn't mean we're not going to have guests. And if you know, if you want to be a guest or you want to share some opinions or some ideas to the podcast, you know, um, yeah, me and Glenn, I was chatting to Mike and the guys that I kind of downloaded Facebook Messenger, some stats and stuff, and I found that me and Glenn shared 35,000 messages chatting about the podcast. Um, that's and that's yeah, more than he ever sent me. I tell you that much. He <laughs> never texts me that much. Uh, it's funny, and you look at the pictures, and you can see quite a lot of bitching between us about other things and stuff as well. Bitching about other people, not each other. Um, so that was quite funny. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's good to have people to chat with because you know sometimes I'd have an idea, and Glenn would just be like, "Nah, shit, shit idea." Yeah. So it's always really good to have um, to bounce things off different people. So yeah, appreciate um, Chris, Dan, and Mike joining me. Um, so yeah, we can keep the legacy going. So that's the intro. Um, we'll jump into have a bit of a chat about Glenn, um, and then we're gonna um, do a bit of a new style podcast, which we're gonna cover over um, the last few weeks. Um, big focus on um, kind of key game in that period. Then chat a bit of themes, and also chat about the transfer window, which is coming up, which is also gonna be key for for Shrewsbury's second half of the season. Um, so yeah, let's jump into it. Turner, 
sort of this bit with me and Ollie were talking about how you can bring the podcast back and how to how to sort of transition and, and cover really what happened with Glyn. Obviously, Glyn's the voice that any listener to Salopcast has listened to for the past three or four years every week. Um, you know, detail is the trials and tribulations of the town. And I think what I wanted to do with Ollie really is take the opportunity to explain, you know, why why Salopcast almost just stopped one day and then you know what really happened with Glyn because people know that you know he had cancer and he, he passed away and it was relatively quick but um sort of you know Glyn's experience was was relatively it was a pretty rough one for him and us as a family um he was diagnosed with colon cancer on the uh 6th of October which ironically enough was the day before his 42nd birthday so um you know that was a very very um, difficult time for him very difficult time for family we tried to have a normal birthday for him but um so the, the, his birthday was the friday on the saturday he went to the shrewsbury town game that weekend i can't remember what it was now um usual normal self met up with friends you know sort of told him away that game with chris that was it yeah um, no it was at home it was okay. no we went to the home game there was a home, oh, game, you went to the home game as well after um, that game it, yeah i can't remember which one it was and so he was seeing friends and telling them you know this is what's happening but you know yep. six month nine month prognosis you gotta fight it you know i have plenty of time for everything and Pretty much from that night onwards, um, he ended up having a really bad experience. You know, you know, every day was a little knockback. He was, you know, sickness or bleeding or you know some of the the, the more sort of um, uh, not very nice parts of having cancer. Um, you know, energy wise, he, he, he dropped his energy, he couldn't eat, and he just went through a series of sort of bad experiences. Um, he ended up in the hospital a couple of times. You know, after a couple of weeks, um, he was, you know, he was sort of bordering on on needing the hospice, so we took him in there. Um, his time in the hospice was amazing. The people at the hospice are an unreal group of people. The, the the care and the love and the support they gave him was, you know, we could never really thank them as a family for how much they did for him. They made him so comfortable. They made him so welcome. But unfortunately, with his sort of terminal diagnosis, um, you know, they initially gave him six months, but he ended up only having five weeks. And after that five weeks, unfortunately, you know, the, the, the amount of medication that he needed to, to manage his pain increased slowly and he sort of got less and less lucid and and you know i suppose one of the the only the only okay bits is when he passed away he was very peaceful he was with his wife um i'd spent the night before with him and we watched shrewsbury on the telly again which game it was escape oxford. Oxford. game it was the oxford away it was no it's oxford at home in the league oh that was it yeah it was one of them yeah. and um he was sort of pretty heavily medicated at that point but even when pennington scored i remember he scored a header he sort of woke up out of nowhere punched the air a little bit had a little cheer so um even right to the last he was he was still supporting the town and uh, insistent that he had the games on insistent that he um you know he was he was still as much a part as he could be right to the end so yeah it was it was a bit of a a bit of a, a rough five weeks and that's kind of why Salopcast fell off a cliff a bit ollie because i think you know you obviously shared a lot of time with glenn shared a lot of time you know speaking with him and you know you were as, as hard hit by it as the rest of us and i think you know it just threw up um you know a difficult period for you to do the pod so that's why it's a nice opportunity to to speak about Glenn and get an opportunity to get this back up and running again. Um, I'd also like to say, after he passed away, the the football club were incredible for him as well. You know, the the, the game against Barnsley, which we'll touch on on Remembrance Day, they kind of they, it was only two days after he passed away, but they made that a bit of a tribute game for him, which was a real um, a really lovely touch. You know, some of the things they did with the shirt on his seat and you know his face on the screen and stuff. It was very quickly turned round and it was. It was perfectly done. It was really appropriate. The minutes applause uh, meant a huge amount to our family. So that was amazing. And then even, you know, we had his wake at the football ground. Um, you know, Brian and some people from the football, football club came to his service. 
Um, even Dave Edwards came, which was pretty amazing. I'm not sure Dave and Glyn were particularly close, but um, had a bit, of a, a bit of an embarrassing moment when Dave Edwards was walking out of the, the service. And as he walked up to me to give his condolences, I went, bloody hell, Dave Edwards is here. Oh, but you are Dave Edwards, so you already know that. So it was a bit of a, a weird moment on a weird day. But um, <laughs> yeah, the football club and, and the sort of the football community really around Glyn have been amazing through the whole thing. The love that he got sent on Twitter through his Blue and Amber account, through the through the Southcast account and various other means. Um, he tried to read all the messages. In the end, he just couldn't keep up with them. There were so many, it was hundreds and hundreds, people from all over the world. And um, I gave him a huge amount of comfort in his last days, really. The amount of love that he'd received, the amount of lives that he'd touched. You know, he knew that he'd left a footprint that, that not everybody would, I think. Um, so just a big thank you to everybody that did reach out to Glenn, everybody that's listened to the pod in the past, everybody that will listen to it going forward. Um, just an opportunity to say Glenn loved it. He loved everybody he talked to. And um, he'd be really chuffed that we're carrying this on. So any listeners that we carry over, we really appreciate it, I think. Um, and it's just an opportunity to to explain what happened with Glenn. And um, anybody that ever needs to talk about anything like that or has been affected by it themselves, that, that wants to be a part of the Salopcast community, I think we can be there to help not just people affected by Glenn, but people affected with their own families. I think, um, you know, anybody who wants to reach out, you know, we're always here, I think. And that's sort of it, really. It feels a funny thing to try and wrap up in a, in a bit of a five-minute bit, but I just it's just to connect the dots, I think, a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think it's, you know, you know, Glenn obviously enjoyed doing the podcast loads. It was funny on the... Um, it's almost funny how, like, Glenn's really sad timeline of, of passing away is almost in, in connected with football games. And, um, and, and yeah, we were going to do that first podcast, and then he had to go to hospital, and we, we didn't do it, which is crazy. And I didn't know that the last podcast was the last podcast. And we had loads yeah. of things planned up. I'd, I'd contacted the club. Um, the kids were going to be mascots for an FA Cup game, but Glenn was too un- unwell. I reached out to Dave Edwards, and he was going to come around to Glenn's and do a podcast. Um, there was even talk yeah. of us doing like a mashup with the Stiffs, and yeah, Dave was amazing, and yeah, the club was amazing as well. Joe Massey um, from the media team was asking me, and Brian were asking me how Glenn was getting on all the time, and yeah, there was even contacts through like players and stuff asking to you know, get yeah. in contact and things like that, and yeah, it's just a testament to to Glenn as a personality. One, the breadth of his personality, like the the memorial service was amazing, done by Dave Mateus, who's did a, a great job. Um, yeah. yeah. I got a big hug from Dave when I was quite tearful at that Oxford night game. Um, he's a good hugger, nice. Davis, I've got to say. He's a good he's given hugger. Me a few recently as well. I yeah. Left, yeah, yeah, I left quite a few tears on his shoulder. Um, yeah. And then, um, and then, yeah, it's yeah, it was. Yeah, podcast was was a big part of Glenn's life, but there were so many other things. And I think the memorial, yeah. you know, over three hundred and fifty people there talking all the different um, aspects of Glenn's life. I did love the the joke about my angle, my angel, which was classic. Yeah, his, his spelling was always awful. Yeah. yeah. He, he just his, didn't his care. Was always his angle. Yeah. yeah. I used to always talk to him about it. Like, Glenn, like, what happened? He goes, oh, I don't care. He'd, he'd write a tweet and send it. He'd never check anything. It was just, no. yeah, he's always living the moment. I've never, ever, I've tried to live tweet in a game and no one could do it better than Glenn. Like, he would literally yeah. be watching the game and live tweeting and and watch the game and remember stuff even though he's on his phone it was quite yeah. a skill he lived, that he had glenn lived his life with absolutely no filter which is perfect yeah. for spamming stuff on twitter and getting all your thoughts out there you know everybody would sort of second guess whether they're being too harsh or whether they've got their you know syntax correct or the full stop and glenn would just slap it down get it out and half the time i would say you can't be putting that out there and he just said oh it doesn't matter it's only football isn't it and he would just he loved doing it and and since he passed away people have said oh are you gonna are you gonna do the live tweet for the game like you say i couldn't do it i've not got the speed of thought and and that much to say about everything so 
and that's been a really amazing really so the people have reached out and said that their 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 experience watching the town whether from a distance or at the game without his tweets is a more hollow experience um and it's something that Brian, the, Brian at the club, sort of said to me at his funeral. He said, you know, Glyn leaves a huge hole in terms of support and engagement, support and feedback that, that we're struggling to fill now. So Glyn would be sort of the lens that a lot of stuff came through, um, whether it was through his Twitter account and, you know, the polls he put up or the questions that he would ask. The club would almost meticulously go through everything that was put on there and, and, and use it to feedback and improve and things. And they're trying to work out how to go forward in terms of keeping that engagement with Glyn, but they don't want to make it a formal club run process they're looking for some some fans to fill that void and whether it can be through the the, the expanded group on the podcast or somebody else popping up you know and, and taking on that mantle you know it's um he leaves a big hole to be filled and you know it just goes to show we need three people to replace him on the pod so you know he's obviously <laughs> a big character to, to replace but going back to your point a minute ago just to mention yeah the football club in in the midst of all of his um illness it was his daughter's birthday and again, they, they came to the fore, you know, uh, Luke Leahy did a little video personalised message for his daughter because she absolutely loves Luke Leahy. I think she only goes to see him. She doesn't really watch the matches. Um, and then, you know, Brian and, and everybody sorted out some, some gifts for them. And like you said, they were going to get them as mascots. So you can't say enough good stuff about the club. They've really, really sort of done him proud. Um, and yeah, you'll be a huge miss. Uh, you know, we miss him every day. Um, it doesn't get that much easier, but this helps me feel a bit more connected to him, being on the pod, talking to you, Ollie. And I'm probably fortunate that our voices were that similar, you know. Yeah. I could always tell the difference, but yeah, I'm sure quite yeah. a lot of people sometimes were sure, unsure. And yeah, some people might listen to this and go, is that Glenn? Because yeah, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. It's, we're yeah, scaring a few people with this, yeah. It was it was crazy, um, Reed, because we did, I think it was uh, during like me and Glenn doing it together, we did um, 289 podcasts. That totaled over um, 17,000 um, minutes of podcast. Um, and it's listened crazy. to some crazy number like 250,000 times. And yeah, there's obviously the podcast, Glenn, there's stats. Like, so Glenn like, was known so well to the club, not, be, not only because of the podcast and his voice on social media, not only because of his contribution to the Supports Parliament, but because Glenn actually was like almost if, well, he was the official stats guy of the yeah. club and he did a lot of work behind the scenes with the club yeah. on data. Um, he'd go and meet the club quite on a regular basis. Um, so, so yeah, a lot yeah. of the the tweets they put out for players' birthdays or particularly um, uh, you know important sort of milestones, you know, some so and so's two hundred fiftieth goal, what have you. A lot of that would come from Glenn's mega spreadsheet, which we're trying to recover. It was on his work laptop, when hopefully we can pass that to the club if they want to carry it on going. Yeah. Um, and he got a free season ticket out of it, which was what made him happiest. You know, he'd always wanted that free season ticket, so he got one. It was end. a secret. Um, yeah, that was yeah secret. Yeah. Of, yeah, he always kept. I said, "Can you mention that on the podcast, Glenn?" He's like, "No, no, I'll keep that, keep that to ourselves." So yeah, yeah, we'll throw the was, club uh, under the bus there. They sorted him yeah. out. But to be fair, he spent he, he spent a lot hours. of his spare time. He spent hours and hours doing things for them. So um, it was nice to recognise it in the end. But um, yeah. yeah, the stats was another thing, and it's funny you should say like you know the the, the podcast, the Twitter, the fanzine. You know the, the thing that he did with Dave Matthias from back at the Riverside days. Um, they were they were producing. The blue and amber fanzine and they did i don't know how many editions of that and it was always well received and people loved it a copy you know we spent hours selling them in the narrows and and on the, the approach from motley road so he had so many different avenues into the football club but again it didn't define him he had you know he had his family he had his kids his wife um he had his, his into his weather as well with his, his weather his storm chasing yeah um his, his many travels and and you know trips around the world and you know he had so much going on i don't know how he fit it all in to be honest no. with you I've got two kids in a, you know, I'll and work as well. That's so we used to chat on, we used to chat on Facebook Messenger because we could then use it when we were working. And I used to send him a message, and he used to reply so fast in the latter years. Mm. One, we didn't need to talk about this podcast so much, but you got a bit, a lot busier as well. So yeah, yeah. it was, um, yeah, always, always available for people. 
And yeah, he's, he's sad, going to be sadly missed. Yeah, he's going to whirlwind. Yeah. And Twitter is definitely quieter without Glenn's presence. Um, yeah. And yeah, he's going to take many people to fill that fill that gap if it's ever filled. Yeah, I think we'll you know we'll, we'll come together as a, as a football community and try and try and keep some things going on with memory in the pod first and foremost. So yeah, it's nice to get this and and get back to reviewing the games as well and giving people that place for for community around the club and the, the games and things and and give the place to to represent their views. I know Glenn was always very strident. He had opinions, but his opinions weren't everybody's opinions, and he wanted it to be a place where everybody could come and, and tell him he was talking crap if he was talking crap. And yeah, that's kind of what we need to, to foster a little bit. But yeah. In his memory, you know, as a tribute to him, but he'll be missed, like you say. Yeah, no, he certainly will. He certainly will. It feels strange now to move on, um, but, but we yeah, should. you don't want to almost, uh, do you? Yeah, no, yeah. I enjoyed that chat. It was good, and yeah, still yeah. memories of Glenn. Yeah, even just looking at the the podcast agenda and all the files and stuff. He used to do all the stats and keep everything up to date. So I need to do that as well. So yeah, I'm trying be best, but I think it, whenever I've been on the pod, I've always proved that. I'm not a great thinker of the game. I just sort of turn up and see what happens. I'm going to have to start like researching stuff beforehand and, and watching the post-match and stuff. So it might make me a little bit of a better fan as well, maybe. Maybe I'll be a bit more informed. <laughs> yeah, no, it should be good. It should be good to get some different people. And then, yeah, we're keen to get other people on the podcast, keen to have different representation across the fan base as well, get different voices on, younger voices as well, because we're all getting on, Mike. You, know, you might not know this, but yeah. Indeed. You know, in terms of Mike um, and me, and I'm nearly 40, 40 next year, um, Chris and Dan are a bit older so yeah we'd like to get some younger voices on as well so yeah um, in the spirit of the podcast we're always constantly evolving constantly improving so yeah feedback and stuff is and suggestions is, is warmly welcomed so on that count let's um, let's jump into into this um, kind of new little style of podcast So since I last did a podcast, the last one I did was James um, for the Oxford game. Uh, we haven't done a podcast in a few weeks now. So in that time, um, Shrewsbury have played four league games, one FA Cup game. Um, obviously didn't do so well against Barnsley, which was the game you referred to, Mike, um, where uh, there was a number of that kind of special mention for Glenn. Um, yeah. one, one, nil, one nil home defeat um, to Barnsley. Not the greatest game ever. No, it was pretty, uh, like, it was a weird day, all told, with the, the tribute to Glyn and everything. But, you know, an immaculately observed minute silence. I thought the Barnsley fans were, were brilliant on that. You know, when we turned up at the ground, a load of my family came. They were all sort of sorted out tickets over in Block 2, um, so they could be there. Um, you know, they when we got to the game, there was a seat and a bunch of flowers on his on his seat, which was a pretty poignant moment. Um, a lot of people coming over and saying, you know, sorry to hear about him and things and passing on their condolences. Um, so... We thought, you know, the game got moving and then we had the minutes applause on, on the 42nd minute in tribute, which again was, was brilliant. Very strange to see his face on the screen only two days after he passed away. But um, yeah, in typical Shrewsbury style, we said on the day, it wouldn't be a tribute to Glenn unless we put in a really poor, flat, you know, emotionless performance. It was re- it was a really, really like weird game. I, I'm not sure what our form had been like running up to. We've been picking up points here and there. We would not have been terrible. But um, yeah, in true typical style, we just sort of, gave Barnsley the game and didn't really make much of an effort of it. So um, it felt like an appropriate tribute. Glenn had watched a lot of that sort of football over his years. So, you know, in his tribute game, it may as well be another stinker. Um, it'd be weird yeah. if we won 10 mil, you know. Yeah, that wouldn't have been right. We spent so many hours talking about games where we didn't score and what ifs. And yeah, it was another game where, yeah, it was not the best performance. I watched it online. Um, the, yeah, the 42nd minute was really nicely. It was my son's birthday, which is almost oh, kind okay. of... 
yeah, which that's why I couldn't go. And yes, yeah, why I want to make sure I spend time and following on from Glenn. Glenn was a great dad and spent a lot of time with yeah. his kids and focus. Um, and that's what I'm going to do. Um, was carry on his legacy as well. Yeah. So that was the Barnes game. It's sorry, it would have been that tribute that game. I haven't looked at the stats, but if there was no shots on target, that would have been the ultimate tribute, wouldn't it? You know, yeah, I might have yeah. a look at that. Just what we're doing yeah. chatting now. See if I can find that. But yeah, no shots in target. He almost got close to that with only three against Bolton, which was quite a right. Feat. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's quite a yeah. Maybe do how many shots on target did Shrewsbury have? Let's just have a quick look. So Shrewsbury had one shot on target, which oh, was good. Really Barnsley only it. had yeah. two. Barnsley only had yeah. two. Uh, but we actually had more possession than Barnsley, which is odd as well. So, well, that's, really weird. That, that's evidence of the sort of game it was. It was just a really flat, it was a bit of a pitch midfield battle, if I remember it. Um, not much happening either end. So, um, yeah, I, I think if you'd have had to do a full episode on that game, you'd have struggled anyway. So, it's good to, to, to wrap it up in a bit of a, in a, bit of a five game catch up. Yeah, no, definitely. And then we had um, the Sheffield Wednesday away game, um, a game which we both went to, um, and a yep. game. I felt hard done by. I don't think we deserve to lose that game at all. No, that was that. That felt like on the day, you know, in the, in the cold drizzle in Sheffield, we'd gone. It was a it was a trip that we had arranged with Glenn. Actually, me and me and eight of uh, six six or seven of our friends went up. Um, he was supposed to be on the trip, so we thought, you know, we he, when he was, you know, in his last few weeks, he said, make sure you still go to Sheffield, make sure the lads still go and have a good time. Um, so yeah, it was. A, we went up on the Friday, stayed over, got to the match on the Saturday. Uh, we'd had a few beers, but. Um, yeah, it was nice to be in a big proper ground, wasn't it? We I saw you in there, didn't I? And it was a good away end. We were up the back standing with the singers. So it was it was good by way of like an event to go to, you know, a proper football ground after all these years. But the football itself, again, it wasn't a brilliant game, but I think we matched them. I think barring that one goal that we gave away fairly softly, I think we were we were good for a point there, I thought. Um it felt a bit of a robbery when we walked out. Yeah, it was we we definitely deserved to get something from it. I thought they were quite lucky to get all three points. Um again, I always find Sheffield Wednesday such an odd away trip loads of fans no noise whatsoever um it's such yeah. an odd ground people talk about it as a yeah. historic ground which it is but yeah fan wise um yeah very very flat and then yeah shoes not doing so well november wasn't a kind month to, to sell up um, didn't pick up that many points some decent performances uh, but yeah. yeah during the month we beat york we drew with oxford then lost to barnsley I lost to Sheffield Wednesday, but we ended the month on a bit of a high, uh, which was a, yeah. um, a surprise result um, where we beat um, Peterborough 3-1 at home. Really, yeah. really fantastic performance. Bayless, Pennington, Leahy scoring. A really, really good performance from town and just to got into the next round of the draw. Yeah, that totally came out of the blue, didn't it? I was expecting, uh, after the, the sort of the previous few results you've run through, I thought it'd be another loss, you know, away, uh, you know, a strong team in the cup and... You know, generally those type of teams want to want to get through a few rounds and get a plum draw, don't they? So they usually put a bit of effort in. So I thought we'd probably get done two, three nil, um, come back with our tails between our legs. But it, it just I don't know how I don't know how they managed to pull it off really. But I think on reflection, the previous few weeks, whenever I'd seen Cotter in the paper, you know, we'd lost to Barnsley one nil, we'd lost to Sheffield Wednesday one nil. He was always quite positive about the team. He was always saying we're building something. We've been unlucky. You know, we're not far off. You know, had this gone our way, and he was. He always felt like he thought we were in the games against you know, Barnsley, who should be one of the stronger teams in the division, Sheffield Wednesday, who should be one of the stronger teams in the division. And we're, 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 we're playing them, we're, we're matching them. So he probably wasn't that surprised that we beat Peterborough. It was probably what, he, what he'd been waiting for. Uh, 
And as you'll see from the following two games, you know, it, it set us off a bit of a run. So, you know, a good result out of the blue, I think. Yeah, it was out of the blue a little bit, but it was a, a fan, yeah, it was a really good start from Shrewsbury and we dominated the whole game. There can be no complaints um, from a, a, a Peterborough's point of view. Scored after two minutes. Um, Bayless got off really early um, and scored all of our goals um, in the first half and half time winning 3 0. And yeah, they didn't really, I know they had in some injuries and they, they're not doing so great at the moment, Peterborough. But for me, it was a really, really good performance. And then the, then the next game was the Lincoln game at home. Yeah. And that was going to be a big test. Could we turn, you know, a good victory against Peterborough into our league form um, and turn our kind of fortunes around a little bit? Um, and, and yeah, we could. It was a, an odd game. I think off, at half time, I remember tweeting, um, and getting a response from a, a, a really good Lincoln blogger called Stacey West, that you know Lincoln will be disappointed not to be have scored in that half. And I yeah. think it was the best half from us. Second half was a bit better, but it was a game that we've lost so many times in the past because we don't take our chances. Fortunately yeah. for us in this game, Lee he took his penalty chance and Bayless scored again. Um, fantastic month that Bayless has been having, um, mm. and we got the result. I don't think Lincoln were bad. They did all no, right, but they just didn't take their chances, of, and we did. Yeah, it's like you say, it's one of those games where, like in the past, we would, you know, we miss a few early chances and we go in on ourselves a little bit and we just try and sort of grind out a draw or nick a goal. But I think I can remember on the day, I think we were sort of, it was a bit nip and tuck, and then we got the penalty for Leahy and it just settled us down. As soon as we went ahead, we, we developed a, a, a bit of an ability now. And as soon as we go ahead, we, we're less likely to throw the, the lead away. We were always terrible for that. We go ahead and not know what to do with it, but now we seem to be able to manage game manage the pressure that comes after a goal and then build again to get our second or our third, which we've been doing regularly recently. So, yeah, the Lincoln result was, it, it was in the end, it was it felt fairly routine because we sort of saw off the early pressure, built ourselves into the game, took the lead, managed the rest of the game. So um, I can remember coming out of that thinking it was just one of the most routine results I'd seen in a long time, really. It is. It was a funny game, but then in terms of possession, they had more than us. In terms of shots, they had more than us as well. Yeah. But yeah, we, we just seemed to be able to grind out results. And with our strikers scoring again, which we'll come on to in the next game, who knows um, how we can do. But in this period, yeah, we can get in goals from all, all on all areas, which mm. has been really important. It's been really important that Leahy keeps scoring those penalties. And it's yeah. really good that Bayless has started to pick up some goals. So, yeah, I think Lincoln will be frustrated. They didn't get some from that game. But, yeah, a couple of good saves from Morosi uh, kept us in the yes. tie and got us three points. And, yeah, that was for us. Then started flying us up the league table. Um, and then, obviously, the Bolton game was a, in a game a weekend when a few games were cancelled. Obviously, we had yeah. one as well in the end. But, um, yeah, let's jump in. The, so I was going to say, with all the madness with Glenn, I hadn't really been concentrating on the league table. I was just sort of going game to game, seeing what the, seeing what the result was and, and moving on. I turned around one day and looked at the table and we were 10th. And I just I thought, how on earth has that happened? Because it didn't feel like we'd been on that sort of form, really, with, you know, the, the earlier earlier in the month. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's a, it's that, this sort of little period that we're sort of reviewing collectively. It really does set us up for a, for a good, you know, second half of the season post-Christmas. I mean, if we can get through Christmas with a few points, um, particularly after the Bolton game, you start to think that there's something building here, something bubbling up. Um so yeah, it was it was a nice surprise to see us tenth, and we've managed to maintain that a bit. So yeah, it's good. Yeah, the league table is absolutely crazy. So let's do that now. Yeah. So yeah, Peterborough sixth as we as record today, with thirty one points, and then you go down to seventeenth, um, one of our favourite league positions. It was only twenty four points. Yeah. So you've got sixth to seventeenth, um, only separated by seven points, and then yeah, you've got Derby thirty, Portsmouth and Vale twenty nine. Another three teams on 26, and then 
was it four teams on 25 points so we got 26 with Lincoln and Exeter um, and even you know um, it's crazy league table because you've got Bristol Rovers who didn't start the season that well now back up into into 15th and interestingly I think you know Shrewsbury Town could arguably still get relegated and still could get in the playoffs <laughs> it wouldn't be town if it wasn't like that but yeah like you say it's really tight but I feel like we are we're at the right end of it trending in the right direction as well there's been, there's been seasons where we've been tenth, but you could get easily get dragged down to the relegation by three or four points. But I feel like there's teams that are dropping, and we're one of the teams that are rising, which is it's an unusual position for us. So, I'm you know even though it's time, I'm relatively confident that we're in the right place. We've got the right team. You know, barring any injuries or any mad bids for players in January, um, you can, I can sort of feel something building, and I feel like Cottrell's getting a bit more approachable. He's, I feel like he he feels he's getting things his own way and things are working out like they should for him. So he's he seems in a better mood. And he, he does come and clap the fans now and stuff. So he feels like we've got to a bit of a turning point in in the season where the next three or four games you always say this, don't you? But the next three or four games could really it could really turn it into something better than you know like everybody was just aiming for like a mid-table finish, you know, somewhere you know just not flirting with relegation for a change, but. You know, dare to dream, Ollie. There could be something bubbling up, you know. It's a very exciting season. And we've been doing it with a lot of injuries as well. So in this period, we've had O'Brien out injured. We haven't really seen O'Brien at mm. all. Um, we've got, obviously, DaCosta injured. We have Bennett has been in and out of the side as well. Um, Winchester has been in and out of the side as well. And obviously, yeah. Nurse and Adeau are both out for long-term injuries. You add Nurse, Adeau, Bennett, DaCosta and O'Brien to this squad. Yeah. And you think there, this is definitely a team that could push on to the playoffs. Yeah, we're achieving this with an attacking midfielder and a defensive midfielder playing wing back with, with no real options if we get an injury at centre half. Um, without our main goal scorer from last season, you know, when you start when you start when you start pulling at that thread, you know, our, our big star striker signing hasn't played all season. What he's getting out of the squad that he's got is amazing and there's strength to come back in if we can get them fit again. So yeah, it's really um really encouraging. Um, as long as they don't burn out, I suppose pretty much every week the same team plays, doesn't it? And there's always the risk of burnout, and so he's got to manage that. But I don't know how many of those you've mentioned are close to coming back into fitness. I know Udo's out for the season. Nurse Udo's is out. Nurse is out. Yeah. I think DeCosta's had some injections, but yeah, Steve Cottrell definitely has improved his presence, let's say, with the media mm-hmm. and the fans. Um, but he's still very coy when it comes to injuries. So yeah, it's. I'm not sure when these players are going to come back. Uh, normally, they surprise us, don't they, and just come back in the yeah. team and they fully. I fit would be again. incredibly surprised if O'Brien played again, put it like that. that yeah, I'd love to see him. All, yeah. yeah, I'd love to see him play a bit more. Um, I'd love to. I think Bennett for me is probably the biggest miss. Him and Nurse yeah. are probably the two biggest misses that we have yeah. at the moment. Um, it obviously then frees up players to play in different positions, but we'll come back to the right wing slot. We'll have a bit of a chat about that. Yeah. But let's jump into this Bolton game because this Bolton game was fun. And it was made all the more fun by Bolton and their fans. Um, so, yeah, let's jump into this game. So, Shooter Town won 3-2 at home. Um, the team was Barosi in goal, uh, Pennington, Dunkley, Fanagan, Moore, Winchester, Bayless, Leahy and Shipley. So, obviously, Moore and Shipley playing as wing-backs and Sadie and Street um, in, in, in playing up front, which, is yeah, you kind of expect that team at the moment. There's not really many other options, is there, uh, Mike? Yeah, like I say, it kind of picks itself a little bit. It's... Um... You know, and, and there's a few square pegs in round holes, but they're getting rounder, if you know what I mean. Every week that Shipley plays wing back, I mean, he was he was at fault for one of the goals for not tracking his man, but um, he looks more assured there. You know, Moore does what he does; he's, he's defensive in, in the fullback position. But I can't see any real change you would make to that if we were going to play again on Saturday. That would be your team, wouldn't it? 
Yeah, no, that definitely would be the team, especially the two strikers, young lads at front scoring. So yeah, yeah it was a it's a cold weather. Um, it would have been freezing, so it'd been minus temperatures all week. But I think it's just worth worth putting a, a word out to the Salad Grounds um, team. They've done a great job getting the pitch ready. And then I believe there was support from the foundation to get the covers off and everything, get ready for the game. So, yeah, great, fantastic job by the club. There was um, games cancelled all around the country. So that was fantastic. I was convinced that uh, it was going to be off. That morning I told I told my little lad because his football locally was cancelled. I said, oh, she usually won't be on today. Well, you know, I'll be at home all day. And then they put the tweet out to say game on and there were so many replies to that tweet saying are you sure are you sure because I'm back to Lee Bolton are you sure it's going to be on because it's free and like so the fact they got it on is incredible really without under soil heating you know they must have worked they must have worked through the night to keep that on really so yeah yeah, yeah credit to them yeah yeah fantastic work by the by the grounds team to get the game on um, and it was worth it as well because um, obviously we got all three points um, and sent sent Bolton fans home um, packing so it was yeah a very funny game um, so we started the game started so well throw it on the left hand side a bit of a deft little flick from Sadie I got the ball ball came to Shipley he kind of runs down the left wing the fullback God knows what he's doing Mike you know as, as a fullback actually there's a lot of fullbacks on this podcast because um, Dan Hoff's a fullback you play fullback I play fullback yeah. defending from the right back from Bolton was awful I think he was worried oh. he was going to go inside but he didn't do anything and just laid him yeah. to row forward he does a really nice ball to Street. Street controls the ball, moves on to his right, and then smashes it. There are three touches in the box under pressure from the Bolton defenders, smashed into yeah. the back of the net. Really good finish from, from Street there, Mike. Yeah, it's super composed, isn't it? And it's not something I've seen him through on goal with, you know, the, or the goal to aim at the defenders at his heels um, to see really what he can do in terms of a finisher. But he could have easily hit that on the first touch. He could have hit it on the second touch, but he really got it under and made sure he committed the keeper and then just slotted him past it. So it was nice. But I'd say big shout out for Sadie, who's really strong when he receives the ball in the channel. And he, he tries to get it, he tries to sort of knock it through. It gets intercepted, but he really battles for it. And his little flip to shift it to Shipley is beautiful. And I can remember on the day, sort of, it's one of those moments where everybody in the crowd goes, way, because it's a lovely, like, a flick and a, and a moment. And like you say, Shipley's good down the down the left. He doesn't mess about and he whips that in and, and really picks out, um, picks out um, Street with the ball. Yeah, that's his name. Um, and yeah, like I say, cool finish. So yeah, but like we made a bit of a habit of scoring early, which was always, you know, the death knell for Shrewsbury Town. Score early and not know what to do with the lead. But um, yeah, it's really nice to see us getting off to good starts. So because so often we've we've got off to bad starts, and then after we always have to try and score two. It's nice just to get one, and I think you might be able to hold on. So it's a good habit. I hope they keep that up. Yeah, it's a good habit to start score early. Obviously, it worked well against Peterborough for us. Yeah. Conceded after 13 minutes in this one. Um, another goal for starting from a throw-in as well. Shrewsbury, I thought, were a bit static, but it was a good goal from Bolton point of view. They got it back to one on after 13 minutes. And mm. yeah, it was a um, a very, it was an odd half. Both teams were trying um, to score and trying to get things going, but it was uh, only three shots in total from both sides in that first half an hour, which is quite poor. Um, yeah. And there's a, but when we talk about Bolton as a team, they in their manager's um, kind of spirit, honour, you know, representing him on the pitch, they cheat. And I use the word cheat so much. Yeah. Like every single opportunity they cheat, whether it's taking an extra metre or two or three or four or five on a throw-in, yeah. even when they kick the ball out for a throw, defended, they'll try and claim that it's their throw. The gamesmanship was off the charts, wasn't it? Yeah, and I don't know whether they get success with it, but the referee wasn't having any of it. No, 
he'd spotted him early doors and, he, and they were getting more and more wound up with it. That, particularly that striker there is um, Afolian. I think he's yeah. Afolian. He's a bit he of a He was mouthing off all day. He was... He was good. He's a good player. He, you know, he's got the he's got the skills to back it up. But um, he was throwing himself to the ground, mouthing off, and he was just a general pain in the ass for the whole match. And and the rest of the team worked far behind him. Um, but it was nice. It was nice that the ref didn't really fall for it. Usually they're, they're a bit sucked in by the bigger clubs. But um, he, I thought he managed it well. The ref. Yeah, I think the ref had a good game. You know, every you know league one ref is going to make mistakes. Is nature yeah. of course. But I thought he had a good game. Yeah, and in terms of second half, Bolton definitely started the better of the two sides. Um, they dominated quite a bit. Um, and then, yeah, we were attacking, trying to score. And then, yeah, counter-attack, which is something that doesn't... We were really good at stopping counter-attacks and topping teams in transition. Um, yeah. But, yeah, Donkey gives away a penalty. Penalty for you? Yeah, nailed on. He, he, he's, he's made a, an attempt at the ball, but he's got all man, no ball. And even he, sort of very half-hearted sort of argument against and then I think he sort of none of our team went over to back him up I think they're all no. like oh, don't you just you've done it there mate yeah <laughs> yeah definitely a penalty um and then yeah they score and then they 71 minutes into the game two uh, we're we're two one down and Bolton fans Bolton fans have been cocky all game there's always you can always tell a cocky fan base when they chant you know you're only here to see us yeah. um ironic chance of Shrewsbury being a shithole which is rather ironic um yeah, yeah. came in good numbers and good voice but it's always funny when they start getting a bit chipper and then they started chanting we should have gone shopping yeah we when should have gone christmas shopping yeah yeah when shoes yeah. have a corner which was a little bit foolish so ball comes in and literally hear it on those watching for the watching the highlights again for this game to re- remind me for the podcast being a bit of pop rep and you can audibly hear the fans chanting um this it's good and then then sadie smashes the ball into the back of the net Bolton fans silent, and from 71, 71, nine minutes on, Bolton fans are silent for the entire game because there's only yeah. one team that was going to win this at this point, and we absolutely dominated the last fifteen minutes of the game. It was such a big moment, wasn't it? That goal, um, like you say, when they scored on the seventy-first, there was some talk around us of probably should go over here. I, I don't think we're getting back in this. You know, usual should be town pessimism, uh, but it only took eight minutes to get back in in the game again, which is it is pretty alarming for Shrewsbury to to turn something around. I don't know what's happened to him, but. Um, Sadie does well to score it though. Ball sort of drop in at a funny height, and he athletically leaps, doesn't he? And but he, he hits it hard enough to get it past the keeper, but but he controls it enough to get it under the bar because he could have very easily skied that because it's it's a really yeah. awkward height. Um, and I thought his work rate and his strength and his, his link up play for the whole game was really good. And he really he's deserved that goal these last few weeks. I'd love to see him go on a bit of a run now because I I rate him. I think he's a really good footballer. He's he's skillful, you know. You look at him and you think he's just going to be like a strong unit, but he's an incredibly skillful footballer. He's he's very clever. He passes the ball well, um, so and that's obviously a good finish. So he seems to have a lot of, of the makings of a good striker. So hopefully he can have a good good goal scoring second half of the season. Yeah, Very yeah. Good. Would you say that was his best performance for Shrewsbury Town? Yeah, I think so. And it, even sweeter, like you say, when the because they brought quite a few fans. You know, they, they they filled the away end and they like you say just completely shut them up and they've been giving it the big one all day. Um, and it was the South Stand's turn to go crazy because it was a big celebration down in front of them, wasn't it? You know, he ran off with the ball. He was giving it the big one to him. So it was really nice. And like you say, after that, we were in block 17. We we watched for the next five minutes. We were watching the way end, giving it. You should have gone Christmas shopping, mate. You know, it was, um, yeah, it was really nice, actually. And then it built to an even better finish, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely brilliant. So, yeah, a corner, um, get another corner, um, ball recycled. Um, the ball got so back into the box. Um, the goalkeeper on loan for Manchester City, Trafford, doesn't even jump. It's so bizarre. He just stands. He's flat-footed. Dunkley yeah. rises like a salmon, 
and then headers it down into the back of the net. Um, and mm. given, obviously, he gave away the penalty. Um, some Bolton fans were claiming it was a foul. So, no, yeah, I mean, just to get, get your opinion on like that. Like you say about the keeper, he must be presumably six foot three, six foot four, and then he's got all his arm reach as well. And the ball, the ball's dropping. The ball's not coming across directly flat. He can get above Dunkley if he jumps and he lifts his arms. And for some reason, he just completely shithouses it. He's so scared, I think, of getting hurt. But if you're if you're a keeper and you just jump into the striker, you'll definitely or the attacker, you'll definitely get a free kick. So I don't know why he's not just gone and put his body in there and get the free kick and take the point. So his his reticence to come forward and his sort of like fear of the ball or the man just allows Dunkley to just get up. It's, he doesn't even jump that high. He just gets up, and heads at the back of the net. It's really strange, and I can't see how you could think it was a foul because he barely touches him. And as you mentioned it already, um, you know a good indicator is how the your the, the players react. Yeah. And I didn't see, and I watched it back a couple of times to try and see. I didn't see any, and Bolton players will whinge, even when it's yeah. not even you know their throw. They'll whinge all day. They didn't even yeah. whinge and complain and try and get change the referee's decision. So for no, me, I that's, they, that's they, testament to the fact it was definitely a goal and legitimate goal. Yeah, I think I think they thought it was a fair one. Like Arlock, when Dunkley gave the penalty away, sometimes pros just know that you know it's it's a, it's a fair mistake, and you know that wasn't it was never foul, but. Dunkley like never gives up, does he? He's such no. a such a leader on the pitch, and he's he's going for 90, 92, 95, 97. He'll go all day, um, and you could see how much he meant to him. His celebrations were wild. He was loving it, even after the final whistle when they were going round. He was giving big fist pumps to the crowd and like you know, dra- pulling the badge out. And it was brilliant to see how how up for it he was. I think he's a brilliant player. Yeah, and that's the and you, you mentioned it earlier on about how this team seems a bit different. And it's the characters in the squad, isn't there? Yeah. There's a real togetherness. You know, we've got obviously, you know, like Lee, he's officially the captain, but you've got Fleming and Pennington, um, Dunkley. Mm-hmm. You've got a team of um, players that don't stop. Um, you've got two strikers up front that work really hard. Um, they work so hard for the team and everyone really yeah. kind of puts him together. So when Dunkley is flying to the bench to ce- celebrate the victory, um, and obviously he knows, obviously he obviously gave away the penalty as well. Yeah. So for him to, to get that goal, and he scored a couple of goals this season as well. So it's yeah, good for our centre-backs. But yeah, Pennington, Dunkley and Flanagan all, all chipping in with goals, which is, is what you need when you've not got a, you know, a Dan Udo and the team scoring 15, 16 goals a season. So, And they're all they're all good, composed footballers. I think Flanagan overplays a little bit sometimes, um, but they're good footballers. But they, you know, they attack the ball well. Pennington, I think he's going to get another two or three goals this season. He's, he's on a real run. But um, going back to your point about characters, there's a credit to Cottrell. You know, remember in the summer... And up to the end of the transfer window, we hadn't signed that many players. And Cottrell kept coming out and saying, there's people out there, they've got to be the right character. They've got to be the right character for the group. They've got to fit into what we're trying to do. And and he's been proved right. He's, he's got the right people in. They look like they're a real unit. They're as, they're as much of a unit as I've seen since, you know, the, 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 the much-fated Paul Hurst season. You know, everybody refers back to that. And they were a real, you could tell they were a real together group. And I can feel there's a lot of that in this in this squad as well. There doesn't seem to be anybody... You know, balling anybody out for mistakes. There's no, you know, hands on hips, hands in the air when a mistake's made. It's very, it's very um, supportive and constructive as a group. And I think, obviously, led by Lee, he seems like a brilliant leader. But like you say, the other captains in the team are doing it as well. So, um, and then with people like Bennett in the squad, who's not even playing, I, know, I think he's got a big leadership role there. A lot of the stuff he's doing off the pitch. So, um, yeah, again, Cottrell seems to know what he's doing at long last. You know, good on him. 
Yeah, it's it's he's a we'll have to have a chat, I think, about when we get the other lads on the podcast about Cottrell um, and kind yeah. of where he is now at the moment. But yeah, he's a he's doing a really good job. Um and we'll come on to the January transfer window, so which was be key for Shrewsbury Town again. But yeah, injuries have been a bit harsh for us. We've been a bit unlucky, I think, with injuries. Um but yeah, in terms of recruiting the right players, he's definitely been bang on. So talking yeah. of the manager, what did he say? Um actually, sorry, so just to finish off the game, actually, we want to go back to this. So the Bolton fans were cocky all game. Um, which is up to them, up to them. They've got their right to do that. But when when you cock up and you give away a lead um, and you've given it all that, it does make the victory so much sweeter. And I don't normally Brilliant. swear too much on the Saladcast Twitter account, but yeah, absolutely buzzing when that ball went into the back of the net. And the Shoesy Town fans all giving it to the Bolton fans who are absolutely silent. Some of them started leaving. Um, and then, yeah, Shoesy Town fans, not only the South Sand, but also the West Sand as well, chanting, you should have gone shopping. Um, yeah, which was a yeah probably probably should be the title of this podcast. Um, but yeah, absolutely brilliant victory, and I left that game absolutely buzzing and all even as well. Um, absolutely buzzing um, from that victory. Yeah. It was a really really good win. The big the overriding emotion where I was sat was there was one person who would have loved that last minute winner more than anybody, and that was Glenn. And that was absolutely for all the crap losses at Fleetwood and you know draws at home to Oxford. Those games are what he came to the football for. To have that last-minute winner, the the euphoria of beating a so-called big club, of coming back from behind, you know, all of that is what brings people to the football every week. That's why we go, and um, and it sort of encapsulated it really for me. You know, that was one of the first games I've been back to without him there, and it's just, you know, when we scored that third, I turned to give him a hug, and he wasn't there, and it's just, you know, you know, if you've got brothers or sisters or friends or family you go to the football with, like, make sure you always go, and make sure you enjoy those moments because they. They're so rare, but they mean so much. You know, it was, um, yeah, it was a bit bittersweet. But yeah, we came out on a high. Yeah, it was a fantastic, absolutely fantastic um, victory. So Steve Cotter, what do you have to say after the game? Um, yeah, it was a great game. Ding dong, great win for us. Um, but they are a very good team. It's good to get the late goal. And they're the king of late goals. So it's good to put one on them. He was delighted how, how the team were today. And he yeah, talked about Sadie. And he talked about um, Dunkley's performance. So yeah, really, really good win. And yeah, a good one for the manager. Yeah, I just again, um, it's sort of going over what we've already said, really, but just a great win. Good for the manager. His team that he's brought in are gelling. They're playing in the way he wants. He's dealing with the injuries that he's got. He hasn't really got any any hard luck stories, so it's it's all going right at the moment. And that that brings out the best in Cottrell. I think he's much more engaging. He's much more of a of a manager you can get behind when he's um, when he's in a good mood. So. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll listen to those post-matches. Don't really like listen to the ones when we lose. He doesn't talk a lot of sense no. in those. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He doesn't. So, yeah, really, really good win. Um, and that was, yeah, a good one. So, obviously, now I normally do top three um, for the games. And we're going to do it a, bit, a little bit differently. Um, we're going to um, do top three um, for the last five games. Um, so, who did you go for, Mike? Uh, I went for Pennington first because I think in defence he's been exemplary. And, you know, he's, the, the, goals that, the goals that he's chipped in with during that period have been fairly key. Um, and he's he's just all around player. He's been brilliant. He's been leading on the pitch, and you know he never really does anything wrong, does he? Penny? I think he's he's an excellent excellent acquisition. Um, I went for Baylor second again. His his role in the team is I don't think it's underappreciated because everybody's starting to see what he can do. But he links the the midfield and the attack so well. But he's he's excellent back in the corner. He can win a header. You know he does a good bit of defensive work, and he started again chipping in with goals. Um, so he's been a, a real masterstroke uh, in terms of filling that hole, probably left by your Nolans and your Woods in the squad that we've always been moaning about. And then third, I went for Dunkley, probably a little bit of um, leftover enthusiasm from a last-minute winner. But um, again, I think he's defended brilliantly. Um, he's been he's been a leader again with Pennington there, and uh, just just general all-round good play. And I think 
it's certainly the first few weeks of the season, I thought he might have a bit of a mistake in him, he might be a bit of a donkey, but um, particularly to come back and give away a penalty to score the winner shows a lot of character. So I just think, um, yeah, he's had a good he's had a good month or so as well. Yeah, no, I agree with all those comments. Um, mine's a slightly different. I went for Bayless first um, for his contribution consistently throughout the whole period. I thought he's been fantastic. I think Leahy's been a bit of an unsung hero as well. And I think actually probably Winchester mm-hmm. as well. Winchester does yeah. a lot of work um, that kind of goes unseen, but he's been really good and important. Um, so I went for Bayless, Leahy and Pennington finally. Pennington, our XG king, more XG than anyone else, which says a lot about Trujitan at the moment. Um, but yeah, yeah packing up with the goals also do really well in defence. Um, so yeah. yeah, they're our top threes. One thing I've noticed about Pennington, he loves a shot from the edge of the box. One of them's going to go in one day. One of them's going to go in. Yeah, his head's going to Yeah, his head's going to come. It was like, who was it? Who were we playing? Was it was it Bolton or was it or was it Peterborough? Uh, where he had an app, it was really clean strike and it was really close. Yeah, I think it was Bolton because I saw that one. I didn't see the Peterborough game. So yeah, um, yeah he had it. It was sort of going in top left, wasn't it? And it just sort of drifted wide. But yeah. yeah. Um, one of those is going to go in it's like nurse as well nurse nurse owes us a good long range yeah. strike so yeah just all kind of random discussions we're going to have a few discussions now it's going to where we're going to bit of a podcast where we're going to kind of had some discussions about different themes and stuff so we're going to uh, talk about strikers right backs right wing backs and then also talk about transfer window um so it's been mentioned and the stat did come up we we'll always try and um, give credit where credit's due so the stat was brought to my attention by bbc shropshire so this was in November, and they brought up the stat that not no striker for Shrewsbury Town has scored since September, which is quite a crazy stat considering how many games we played. Was that Dan Udo, uh, that's how he scored. <laughs> well, almost it was <laughs> Bowman. So Bowman, Bowman scored. Yeah. See, Bowman was the last striker to score. Actually, against Burton, both strikers, Sadie and Bowman, scored in a two-one win at home against Burton. Um, and yeah, just a bit of a question for you, Mike. Like, why do you think the strikers have not been scoring? Um, I've got my potentially, I've got a bit of an opinion on it. But what's your yeah. what's your thoughts? Thoughts? It's probably the most obvious answer. We don't create many chances for the strikers to score. Um, and I think I mentioned it last time we were talking about Bowman. Last time I was on months ago. Now, um, you know, if you're Ryan Bowman and you get one good chance a game, and you're you've got like a fifty percent scoring average, you're only going to score what you know every other game. You're going to you know it, it's going to look it's going to look low. So if we're not creating chances in the box where strikers should just be knocking them in, they've either got to score uh, one from the edge of the box or just get really lucky. So it's 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 chance creation is the problem really. Um, I think I think when we get in scoring positions, we have got the people that can score. You know they proved that on Saturday. So I just think we need to work on just just carving out openings because when we get into the channels a little bit, you know the the, the wing backs or one of the midfielders drifts out. The balls that come across are often a little bit too far in front, a little bit too far behind. Just just sharpening up that the, the accuracy of the final ball, I think, will will create more goal scoring opportunities for strikers, and they'll just score more. I don't think they're a bad group of strikers, particularly. Um, it's a bit of a luck of the draw, a little bit. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think we're not creating that many chances. We, I think, having you know, if you just look at the wing backs, obviously Shipley's a good left wing back. More, not so much in terms. Of he's not. A, he's not a wing back. He's not a cross from the ball. I think. Well, yeah. And we get into the final ball at third, and so many times we make the wrong decision. The ball doesn't work. It, we don't, we don't, we're not that great in the final third. So yeah, I totally agree with that. I don't think that. I don't think it's the fact that Street and Savi have been missing loads of chances. Um, no. They just we haven't. They haven't had them. Um, so yeah, hopefully the next few months they can get those opportunities and they can start scoring a few more goals. Yeah. And you can see the patterns are starting to come together a bit more. You know, the, the little interplays between, particularly between Bayless and Shipley has been really nice. But a lot of the stuff that comes down the left-hand side for us is is really productive now. And they're, they're really understanding, you know, the moves that each other make and the runs that they make. And, and you can start to see that we're carving out a few more chances. So 
I think, again, you know, it's obviously the stuff they've been working on in training. Um, I think it'll start to be a bit more fruitful second half of the season. Um, so, in theory, we should see more goals from the strikers, I think. Yeah, fingers crossed. If we can get Bennett back in the side as well, I think that would mm. help the balance of the team. Um, so we don't become yeah. too less centric in terms of our attacking, which will make it easier for, for teams to defend against, um, which actually is a perfect um, sing, um, link into the next topic. Um, so, yeah, question from Chris um, was, and he said, um, how many positions can Taylor Moore actually play? And is he really a right wing back? Uh, I, in my opinion, you can play two positions, centre off and defensive central midfielder. And he's not a right wing back because he doesn't do any of the wing bit. You know, you could you could say <laughs> yeah. he might be a right back, but he he never goes forward. He doesn't ever deliver a cross. He doesn't ever, you know, play a one-two and get in around the back of the, the opposition fullback. He's he's there for right side stability, so that Shipley on the other side, who again doesn't do much of the back and does most of the wing, can be our outlet up the left. And we do play predominantly up the left. Um, that's why Bayless plays on that left hand side of that midfield. That that little interchange over there. So, like you say, if you had Bennett back in the team who does both parts of the job, then you know we could spread our play a bit and be a little less predictable but I guess being predictable is working at the moment because we won the last three so you can't complain about it but I think more definitely plays through the middle and definitely with an eye on the defensive side of the game but he a good player you know you can't argue with it he's another another sound acquisition for the job he does and he's um he's making a good fist to play right wing back you know he's, he's not he's not losing us any games and you know that's what he's there for predominantly yeah, we've had a number of people play right back, a right wing back, haven't we? We've had Pike been experimented there. Um, we've had obviously Acosta. We've obviously had Bennett and Taylor as yeah. well. Uh, Taylor Moore. Um, yeah, Taylor Moore is not a right wing back, and I don't think by saying that we're we're criticising the guy. Uh, he just yeah. puts in a shift. Um, he he plays it safe, square peg in, the, in a round hole type situation. Um, but he does a good job, and if he doesn't doesn't let us down. Yeah, it's like you say about Pike. Uh, Moore's part of a solution to the right wing back problem. In that, if we've got a team that we need to defend on the right against Moore, will play. If we've got a team that we can attack at the right with, we'll play Pike. So we've got sort of two players dependent on what's needed against the opposition, and th that's why they're often subbed for each other as well. Just to so you know, in in Bennett, you have all of that encapsulated. But while we're out without Bennett and DeCosta, who was also the same, you know, we we've got a solution there, and we can stick with it. And, and Steve is flexible enough to play the right player against the right opposition. So why we've been seeing more and more recently is because we played Bolton and Peterborough and some of the better teams in the league. And when we play some weaker opposition, maybe Pike will get more of a run because, again, he's making a good fist of it without being a right wing back. He gets up and down, he works hard. You know, it's 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 horses for courses at the moment, but they're all doing a, a half-decent job at it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We're getting the results. And obviously, Moore's contributing to that as well. Um, yeah. I'd like to see um, one of those players come back from injury um, sooner rather than later. Mm. Because uh, it does make us light, obviously, you know, in terms of midfield and then also in yeah. defence as well. Um, so, yeah, fingers crossed he can come back. Um, and then kind of almost linking into that as well, nice tangent into, into transfer window. So I did um, I did ask for some questions for the pod, and most people are asking a um, January transfer window question, which is not a surprise. Um, so I'll let you answer this question first, Mike. So a question from Logan, um, and he says, which position do you see us needing to strengthen the most? Um, left wing back would be my selection. Um, because I think, we, like I said, we've got that sort of hybrid solution on the right between Pike and, and Moore. But on the left, we're really just playing Chipley there. Um, Nurse is out. Um, and we haven't really got another uh, sort of, uh, unless you shift Leahy out there, we're sort of lacking that left-footed, left-sided defensive wing-back. Um, so that's what I do, because that, that would free up Shipley to go back in the middle, um, to give us some more bodies in the middle of the park, um, where I think he's probably slightly more effective. Um, 
So that that would be my priority for the January transfer window. I know everybody when he gets to January always wants a striker, a goal scoring striker. But um, I think to balance the squad a bit better, you get that left wing back in, and then depending on the injury situation under Costa and Bennett, maybe a right wing back as well is where I'd look just to strengthen those areas up and get those p- people being played in those positions back for their natural. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with those. Agree with those comments. Yeah, I think left wing back is probably the most important one as well. Because otherwise, you're yeah, you, you you you're diminishing the resources in other areas of the team, filling gaps in those parts. Yeah, I wouldn't want to move Lee here at midfield. No way, no. And then and then you, you get to the point where you're thinking, and this probably links into the next question from Ben Fairclough. Do you think Steve will be going for a decent amount of signings or just a couple to boost the squad? You know, budget wise, we're probably not going to be able to make a decent amount of signings, especially in January when it's a seller's market. Um, and you know. Positions like wing back are quite specialist, so getting a good wing back in is 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 a bit of a job. So, I think if he's going to make many any signings, he'll make a couple just to fill some gaps, and they're probably more likely going to be loans as well. I don't think he'll be spending money in January. Um, so, if he's got limited resources to work with, he's probably going to be diverting a lot of his time onto two specialist, three maybe maybe maximum three specialist incomings um, just to fill some gaps. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, I, I kind of see us signing loads of players from a budget point of view. I think if we did, we'd have to maybe offload um, some players. Um, and you run the risk yeah. of unbalancing a pretty happy, settled squad by the looks yeah. of it. You know, you don't want to be upset in playing people who are liking playing and their mates are playing. You know, it's, it's tinkering around the edges time, isn't it, really? From a numbers point of view, we've got loads of strikers. So I don't, unless mm. we lose Sadie and Street um, going going back on loan, if we maybe could get a maybe Bowman blessing, probably not. A starter in League One for me, get another striker in. If we, but I'm not sure if maybe get him out on loan. But then you'd yeah. you'd have him coming back, so you probably can't sign anyone. So for me, yeah, I think left wing back is probably the most sensible place to try and sign a permanent player. Right wing back, you don't really want to sign someone else, do you? Because you then you've got a problem. You've got um, a, a right wing back plus Bennett plus Costa. Obviously, Bennett can play midfield as well. But with the score small squad mentality, yeah, yeah. answering Benjamin's question for me. It's probably just going to be a couple. Um, and obviously that's hoping that we don't lose, I don't know, say Pennington to the championship or something like that, which yeah. is a risk. I was, to, I was just going to say, leading on from that question, it's not one of the ones from the from the sort of listeners. Do you think there's anybody at risk of being poached or going? Do you, you know, if you had to say, you know, we want to keep hold of one big priority person, who would it be? Do you think would it be Pennington or, yeah? Pennington and Bayless, you know, I don't really take much, I don't really take too much into rumours on Twitter um, unless mm. they come from, you know the the actual journalists who follow the club. Um, I don't really pay too much attention to them because uh, normally they're wrong. But for me, yeah, like Bayless is doing really well, but I'm not sure he'd get to move to the championship this quickly. You know, after obviously yeah. he left Preston, Pennington's probably the biggest risk. I would have said probably Nurse and Ado were probably ahead of Pennington. Yeah, until they got injured. Obviously, um, Ado's injury makes a big question for the club from a contractual point of view, maybe Nurse as well. So, yeah, for me, Pennington, would you agree with that? Is Pennington probably your biggest risk? Yeah, because he was doing it last season as well. He was this good last season. He hasn't hasn't ever really been anything but really good for us. Um, So he sort of proved it over a a bit of a 12-month period that he can do League One and he can do it well. So um, he'll be on a lot of teams' radars. I don't know if anybody's had, you know, one of the the teams pushing promotion had a big injury at centre-half or something or, or somebody worried about getting relegated from the Championship. You know, those would be the people trying to sign quality centre-halves, and of which he is one. So I'd keep an eye on Pennington personally, but hopefully he seems like he likes it here. And he yeah, like he seems settled. settled. He lives in yeah. Shrewsbury um, and he seems yeah. to enjoy the town. Um, but yeah, if you get off a 10 grand a week to go and play in the Championship, you know, you can't blame anyone for that. Yes, please. Um, yeah, and if you're a team in the Championship, play three at the back, 
Pennington is yeah. a perfect um, player to play in, in that in that right um, sided role. But when um, does it? Do you know when his contract runs out? We, we can't remember. Yeah, him, yeah, yeah. I can't remember when his contract expires. We we'll probably need to have a look at that um, for the for the next um, over maybe after January or to cover that. I think looking ahead yeah. is is a risk. The club have been a little bit more coy in recent years and kind of sharing length of contracts and stuff. I did try yeah. and I did share my I did that summary, don't I, of like the players and when their contract expires. And I did send it to Brian and I said, Brian, any any gaps or anything you miss? And he goes, Yeah. He wouldn't tell me what it was, but there's ah. a few things I've missed. <laughs> I was like, okay, cheers for that. Um yeah. so there is a few players with options and stuff on there as well. I think we oh, have an okay. option on Doe and a few others. Um, so yeah, I'd be interested to see what happens there. Um, yeah, because the, they might be the ones at risk. Those that have six months left and won't sign. Yeah. Well, we've got to try and shift them. Then we to try and get some money. Yeah, yeah, they shift them, don't you? When you try and offer the new contracts, or you just have to kind of bite the bullet. We've got small squads, yeah. So we, yeah. Which is interesting. Link there, Mike. Again, in terms of the next question. So, question from Stuart was: Would you make Carl Winchester a permanent signing in January? Um, and the kind of, I guess, the thought behind that is that his contract expires with Sunderland in the summer, a bit like mm. Flanagan. You know, we signed Flanagan last January when his contracts expire in January. And simple question: Would you would you sign a Winchester? Yes or no? Absolutely. Good footballer. Knows his way around the pitch. He, he doesn't seem to do anything wrong, and he's he's a good. You know, he's he's not he's not the sort of the unlocked defence midfielder. He just he gets about the pitch, he breaks it up, he, he moves it on. I, I really like him. I think he's he's um, settled in really well as well. He didn't really seem to take games to get the speed. He was just straight no. in there. You can see why they call him Winnie Esther. He just gets it, yeah. moves it, moves it. Yeah, he's he's really um, he's really a, a, like a nice. It's almost some games it'll get to about you know 35, 40 minutes. It's oh Winchester's playing. You don't notice him, but then once you notice him, you can't stop seeing him because he's everywhere. Um, yeah, he's, yeah, he's one of those players. I think that. Um can go under the radar a little bit he does a lot of yeah. the dirty work he'll do that kind of thing when he will he'll do a run a tracking back but he mm. might not be but he won't be tracking the ball he'll be tracking the second man and he'll yeah. stop them passing to him and he's that kind of player the kind of player that i'm sure the manager loves does yeah. the dirty work really intelligent um i still remember my, my, my biggest memory of him is um, forest green rovers away when he um, was running, we were doing a counter attack, and he just flew past the opposition player, and he went past him so fast he started laughing. Um, oh well, yeah, I saw that. I saw that on the highlights. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely brilliant yeah. moment. So yeah, he's a good player. Yeah, thanks for the question, guys. Um, yeah, I'd love us to sign um, Winchester. Hopefully that can come that can come true. Uh, it would be a sucker if he went to another club in the division. Um, so there's a few questions on the transfer window. Uh, like, what would you say we need, Mike? Uh, yeah, I'd like to mention a few things, but yeah, summarise it. Yeah, I'd say the fullback's getting sorted. I think we're pretty well stocked in centre half. I think if you bring another one in, you're gonna you're gonna be upsetting three well-established senior pros, and then you've got more who can fit in. Uh, centre mid again, you've got Lee, Bayless, Shipley. You know, we've got good options in there, Winchester, and then up front, I think we've got some good, willing, hungry young strikers. The only thing I'd say is with Udo out and with uh, O'Brien on and long-term sick, I think the doctor signed him off. I don't know what's wrong with him, but. Um, I think possibly maybe another striker because, like you say, Bowman. If we could, if we when we might shift him out, he doesn't seem to be getting a look in. Cottrell doesn't seem to fancy him. Then you're left with Street and Sadie. I think maybe just one more up front, um, just to just to keep keep them able to rotate a little bit. You know, well, I suppose you've got Pike who can play up there, but he doesn't seem to get a look in up front either. So his um, confidence is up and down, isn't he? Like a roller coaster. Yeah. Um, I think yeah, if we can get a Tyrese Campbell type player, yeah, a really really good striker, a Championship quality striker who needs some game time. Yeah. Then, I think yeah, a different type it. of striker would be good because we've got, you know, Street and Sadie and Pike. They're runners, they're physical, they're, you know, they, they, they're getting amongst it and they're, they're almost both link players. I think 
if you could sign somebody who's just an out and out goal scorer, and that, you know, that's obviously what you want. But a young person who's considered an out and out goal scorer, I'm not talking or about bringing pace, in an established striker. Yeah, somebody can just sit on the shoulder in behind with pace. Um, just a different option up there, just to mix it up a little bit. If you're playing against the team and and physically they're they're battering you back, somebody that can get around the back of a big centre half and, and shake them up, you know, would be quite handy, I think. Yeah, I think most teams in League One would be out of that. I think it's really funny. I think I, I think imagine most, most recruitment, world, yeah. yeah, most recruitment teams, any team, well, basically, obviously, any team in in League One, apart from probably top three, are probably going to be after that kind of striker. Yeah. Uh, well, after that kind of addition, so who knows what we can do? Charlie Caton on strikers, obviously, is on loan at Chester. I think he's played yeah. four games, done five assists, scored two goals, um, which is great for him. Uh, yeah, I watched a little bit of that on the Chester game on TV. Uh, he's doing really well. Blocks him, be interested to see what happens with him as well. I think yeah. he could do with a loan and get a few more players. We've got a lot of strikers, haven't we? For me, I, I yeah. echo everything you said. Left wing back, um, hopefully, get one of the right wing backs fit, which would be like a new sign in. And then maybe if you can get a star player somewhere on loan or something like that. Um, or yeah, a bit so like Flanagan last year. It might be a wild card again, you know, some player that we're signing almost for next year, but get him in January. For Jason Cummins, you think, you know. <laughs> get the come dog back from the World Cup. Yeah. Uh, well, it, oh, yeah, Australia's a funny place. And did you see the uh, Melbourne um, derby was cancelled, abandoned? Oh, yeah, did somebody attacked the keeper with a yeah, bin. Ta- yeah, attacked yeah. the goalkeeper with the, the, the flare bin and gave him concussion. And, yeah, it's all kicking off in Australia at the moment. So, yeah, I can't see him coming back to Shrewsbury. But, um, yeah, a striker that can get in behind and score goals in the Jason Cumming mould when he was on yeah. form on those rare occasions would be Rail. a nice addition yeah. to the squad. Brilliant. So, yeah, that's the general transfer window. Yeah, I'd love to hear people's comments, what you think we need to sign. You know, is there any players we missed out there? Um, good to hear what people think. Um, and then kind of signing on this podcast a little bit, looking ahead. Um, so we'll come back maybe during or, I don't know, during after Christmas, who knows, we'll come back, um, do a podcast. So looking ahead, we've got some winnable games, I'd say. Um, I'd definitely say that the league games are all winnable. So we've got Cambridge yes. away, Cheltenham at home, We've got Fleetwood at home. Then we've got Sunderland in the FA Cup at home. Um, but And then Burton away in the um, in the league. And I have to say, Mike, all those league games are winnable. Yeah, I'm licking my lips at that. It's like we've got through the hard bit of your, your Boltons and your Peterboroughs and some of the, some of the some of, you know, Sheffield Wednesday Barnes, away. Lee, Sheffield the, Wednesday. That's a yeah, tough run we've, we've just come through. Yeah, and we've done well through it as well. We've maintained league position. We picked up points where we could. And now this is the bit where we've really got a feast, isn't it? You know, if, if we can pick up two, three, maybe even four wins out of that lot. Um, you know, we're really going to be pushing the top end of the table and, and trying to make something happen. And I think that's got to be the real the real focus for, for Steve and the, and the management team is getting them keyed up for these games because there's a lot of points on the table. Um, they're not guaranteed. You know, they're going to have to go with the right mindset. We're going to have to pick the right teams and, and play the right way. But, um, you know, this could be our most fertile sort of six six game block of the season, I think. So, yeah, it, it's looking it's looking like, you know, it could be a Merry Christmas, hopefully. And a happy new year, hopefully. Yeah, fingers crossed we get some results through this Christmas um, period. There's a lot of games in January, especially if we have a a replay as well. So, yeah, quite a few games in January coming up. Um, We've got, obviously, three games in in the first half. Um, So, yeah, quite a few games coming up. So, yeah, thanks for coming on the podcast, Mike. We didn't know this was going to go. Hopefully, people enjoy listening to it. Um, Just before you go, Ollie, speaking of Christmas, it's just just playing in my head. Did you see Harry Burgoyne's... Christmas single yeah. about all the Shrewsbury Town players. I can't. Yeah. We can't go without mentioning that. No. What, that is brilliant. Yeah, the, the club is. Yeah, the, the media team and the the players are putting out some good stuff at the moment. Yeah, Harry Burgoyne. Yeah, it was a great, great video. Very funny. Um, I did like the kind of outtake parts of it as well, yes. where the players are taking the piss out of him. So yeah, fair play for him for doing that. 
Yeah, he seems like a great sport. And then, um, you know, he's not going to be winning X Factor anytime soon, let's be honest. You know, I could see them getting the auto-tuner out and his voice a little bit every now and again. But, um, yeah, I do, I, the brilliant thing about it was not just that it shows that the squad are, are up for a bit of fun and that Harry's, you know, you know, even though he doesn't play, he just seems like a, a key part of that. But um, that it sort of paid homage to, like, the history and the heritage of Shudu Town, some old footballers' names. You know, some of the ones they sprung up in there to, to make the rhymes. They God, I remember him playing for us in the sort of, like, the late 90s, early 2000s and things. And um, it was a little walk down memory lane as well as for it being a, a good bit of fun. So, yeah, the, the club have done a, a good job on that. And anybody that hasn't seen it, get on the YouTube because it's um, it's really funny, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll repost it. I'm sure the club will keep come posting it as well. As well. Yeah. But, yeah, definitely something worth watching. Um, so, yeah, maybe wrap up this podcast, Mike. So, thanks for joining me. Um, it's been a good, yeah, no good discussion and plenty of things to discuss. And um, thanks for listening, everyone. Hope everybody has a great Christmas. Um, spend time with your family and your loved ones and take a bit of a rest if you're working through Christmas. Um, yeah, thanks for your guys. Obviously, working certain professions don't stop. And yeah, my my sister in law's a nurse. She's working Christmas, so some people have to crack on. Um, are you you got the Christmas off? Mike, looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I work in the NHS, but only in the the, the office pencil pusher side of it. So I get Christmas yeah. off, but um, I know from first hand experience, uh, you know the, the the shifts and the work that the guys now have to do. So anybody in the public services or anybody that has to work over Christmas, uh, you know, hats off to you because it's um it's a nice time of year to have a break, and some people don't get that. So um, no, don't. Some maybe people at least they can still get down the match, you know. Yeah, fingers crossed to yeah. get down the match. Fingers crossed for some good results. Hope you get the presents that, that you want. Um, I hope all the kids enjoy themselves. Um, yeah, thanks everyone for listening, and we'll be yeah. back again soon. Thanks, guys.